We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. Looking onto Jesus, and we explore that word, and the word for looking was the word Afrorontes, right, in the Greek, which means to fix your gaze on something such that it's the only thing you see, right? You don't see anything else except that. And I thought I'll just share on that for, for a bit before we go on to our next major series. So this is going to be like a minor or a mini series, that is where three parts, four parts, whatever, and we'll see what the Lord does with that. So it's titled Afrorontes, colon, Eyes on the Prize. Afrorontes, A-P-H-R-O-R-O-N-T-E-S, Afrorontes, Eyes on the Prize. For those of you who were not here when we did that last few series of understanding this gospel, the word Afrorontes in the Greek means to look away from all else at the object of your sight, to turn the eyes away from all other things and fix them on the object of your sight. I gave an illustration, remember? You look at something and there's everything else around it, but if you know anything about photography, there is a depth of field, there's a bokeh effect, and it just draws everything away and focuses on the object of your photography, such that there's 10 trees behind you, there's 40 cars behind you, there's 300 people behind you or beside you, but all you have in your viewfinder is the object of your sight. That's what the word afrontes means. That's how we're expected to look at Christ. So we're not called as believers to do anything else. Amen? We're not called to do anything else. We're not called to chase anything else. We've established in this house from Scripture that the chasing of material things is a hallmark of paganism. It's only pagans because Jesus said in Matthew 6 that after these things, the Gentiles seek. After these things, the pagans seek. Now, the funny thing with religion is that it's so entrenched in church in the name of Jesus that it's difficult for people to see that what they're doing is paganism because it's all smeared with, in Jesus' name, all over the place. So it becomes difficult, you know. John says that many false Christs Antichrist doesn't necessarily just mean against Christ. Antichrist, actually, what anti actually means instead of the original word. So it's not necessarily just against Christ. It might not, it doesn't have to be against Christ to be Antichrist. It just has to be instead of. I was for free. So the word Antichrist is not just against Christ, as in diametrically opposed to him, but just whatever you present whoever you present instead of. That therefore suggests that if you're looking at anything Christ in nature, Christ-ish in nature, and something else is in your field of view, that thing is antichrist. Do we understand that? Because that thing has come instead of or in place of Christ. I was sharing with somebody a few days ago and I said that when Satan came to tempt Jesus, he came on the basis of the word. He came on the basis of what was written. And Jesus' only response to Satan was not, my friend, I created you. 
Ah, can you tell me? No. The only response Jesus had was also what was written. So they know the word. You know the word. Everything he quoted was scripture. So it appeared to be the right thing to do at that time. Come on, talk to me. 40 days you have been fasting. You haven't had anything to eat. Satan comes and says, you are the son of God, right? Rhetorical. You're the son of God. So command the stones to become bread. And feed your hunger. You're the son of God, right? It is written that he shall not allow your foot to be, um, your, you to dash your foot against a stone. So throw yourself here. Again, right there, Satan showed you religious people that thou, he shall not dash his foot against a stone was not about you, it was about Christ. Do you understand? So when we take some scriptures, it was about Christ. It's, it's written of you that you, you, we shall give his angels charge over you. And so jump. It was word. And by today's terms, you'd have thought, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for such a great realm award. It's written. So clearly, an antichrist is not just one who is against Christ, but one who is instead of or in place of. Is anybody getting this? Right? So Antichrist is not just a person that will come at the end of the ages after the rapture and give you one, one mysterious number, CCCs on your head. He's a system that exists. Now John says, many of Antichrist has gone into the world. So just like Babylon is a system, Antichrist is a system, and Zion is a system. So the enemy's job is to distract us from our field of view. We see Christ until he's all we see. Can you say, I see Christ, I see Christ. until he's all I see. I put up a post about spiritual maturity and the mind of Christ a while ago on Facebook. Remember that? Anybody saw that? Spiritual maturity and the mind of Christ. And I said, you know, I, I, paraphrasing now, that if, if in, when the rubber hits the road and you're, you're faced with a you know, you come to a, 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 a bad patch in life. And at that point, you relegate your work with God and you see something else. You're not, you're not maturing. You're not maturing. So you, you're, you're, the Holy Spirit brings to, to your reminder instantly, man, if not for the word of God. And so we make sure that we see Christ until he's all we see. Now again, I say these things over and over and we think that I'm just making noise because I like to speak English. But all somebody heard was that many Christians have heard a preacher preach. They've never heard the gospel. And that's what changed one person's life. For somebody else, you commonize the word and it doesn't mean anything to you because you have not mixed it with faith. You have not mixed it with faith. Please, we are called to see Christ until he is all. That is not Christ and then some. Remember Protos? Yeah. yeah, we see him. As though there's nothing else to see. I told you last week, Paul said, I, 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 I resolve to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. You know why Paul was saying that? Because there was so much to see in the Corinthian church. Corinthian church. Famous legendary Corinthian church. He said, I'm just going to see Christ and him crucified. So all his gentility and even firmness in restoring them, as it were, was because all he wanted to see in them was Christ and him crucified. And so in our walk with God, we must understand what is at stake, keeping our eyes 
on the prize. Because the prize is him becoming him in totality. I said last week, I showed you from Colossians where he says in chapter 2, that in him, Christ, dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And the next verse says, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. So if all the fullness of the Godhead is in Christ, and I am complete in Christ, in other words, and Christ completes me, it means that I am the fullness of the Godhead. If Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and I am completing him, in other words, he completes me, then in me, working in me, is the fullness of the Godhead. So just as Jesus said to them, why are you asking to see the Father when I'm here? It's the same way you should be asking the world, why are you asking me to take you to Jesus when I'm here? I'm Jesus. Why should he be asking me to take me to your God? I'm here. What do you want to see? What do you want to know? But that only comes to the measure that we see Christ. That is why we are in Christ. We are with, hid with Christ in God. Christ is in us. We are as he is in this world. We are becoming like him from glory to glory. And yet he needs to be formed in us. I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. I'm sat with Christ. I am hid with Christ in God. So Christ is embodied in God. I am embodied with Christ in God. And yet Christ in me is the hope of glory. Hello? And if I do not go, another comforter will not come, another of the same, who will stay in you forever. So Christ is in us. We are with him. We are in him. We are hid in God. And yet he needs to be formed in us. We are as he is in this world. And yet we become like him from glory to glory as by the spirit of Christ, the spirit of the Lord. And yet, as we see in Galatians 4, verse 19, he, has to, he needs to be formed in us. In other words, we must come into a consciousness of who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. That's the formation. It's not formation as though the, the portion of Christ that died for you is 30%. Hello? Or the portion of Christ is 60%. Or 80% or varying degrees. It's not varying degrees of the finished work. The work is finished. But there are varying degrees of the formation of our consciousness in response to that finished work. Is this helping anybody? So that's why the measure, as much as we all have Christ in fullness, we must all come to the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. Ephesians 4. Make sense? Ephesians Five says, I think in the first verses, that you should, we should imitate God in our walk. So there, are, there can be varying degrees of the formation of Christ in each believer per time. Even though Christ is given in full measure. But to the measure that we see Christ working in you is different to how we see him working in her. And that's why everyone, to the degree that you see, is the degree that you become. Even though you are as he is. 
Do we understand? So I am an um, Igala person. Yeah? <laughs> I had to think about it. Um, I'm an Igala man. So I'm told. Yeah? From, from Kogi State. Before that, I was told I am Idoma from Benue State. Neither of them make any difference to me because I don't speak any of the languages. I don't know any of the places. I didn't grow up there. I grew up in northern Nigeria. I speak Hausa, and that's it. Um, but I'm told I am an Igala man. I, I, however, I don't know any language of Igala. I don't know any culture of the Igalas. I don't know where the place is. I, um, so, so as much as I am that, I was born that, it is not formed in me. Do you understand? But somebody else who is Igala, who was born there, or who was born at least in a home that champions Igala culture, speaks the language, knows the food, connects with the people, knows the idioms, the proverbs, knows the mannerisms, and, and so the Igala culture is, is, is more formed in that person than it is formed in me. So as much as I am this person, I need to align myself. If I went, if I took a trip, a sabbatical for one year, and I went to some Igala land and sat there for a year, I will come back a changed man. Not changed because I became another man, but because I connected with what I already was. Are you, are, you, are you following me? I, I connect with what I already was. I, I, I took time away and I protestly pursued what I am. Right? And in doing that, I am seeing this in my field of view and I'm seeing that at the expense of English. I'm seeing that at the expense of, of ethic. I'm seeing that at the expense of Calabar. I'm seeing that at the expense of everything else and all I'm paying attention to is whether it kills me or whether I survive it, I am going to come out of this a full-blooded, full-bred Igalaman. That is me being formed into what I already have been. Are you following me? Yes. So it's not a privilege in that sense. It's not me becoming something as I am not, I, I, I'm, I'm not already. It's me touching base with it, to consciously become what I am. Is this, is, is, are you getting this? And that is what our walk with God in Christ calls us into. So I'm a son of God. There's no dispute about it. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm a son of God. As I put that into practice... I now begin to form the sonship that I already am. Make sense? That's why Paul says, while, I'm, while, I, while I was a child, I thought like a child, right? But now that I am grown, I put away childish things because there are levels to sonship. We all grow at different paces. Oh, we are all sons at the same entry point. We are all sons at the same response to the finished work. But the formation of sonship is relative. To how much you are seeing. And how well you are seeing how much you are seeing. Do we understand what I'm saying? So the sun formation and manifestation that I am and have. Will differ and vary from the sun formation that he will have and be. Oh but we are sons. Of because standing before the father. Does that make sense? What God will entrust to someone on account of his formation of sonship. Will differ from what God will entrust to you. Based on your formation of sonship. So it's important what we're seeing and how well we are seeing what we are seeing. Because you are what you see. 
you become what you behold. We beholding with unveiled faces and as in a glass the glory of the Lord are being changed into the same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18. So we're putting away everything of our renters and we are, our eyes are on there. We're on there. And he's all that we see. You know, we sing very cute songs like at the center of it all. Is you that I see. Is you that I see. And we all interpret that in terms of when we are going through trouble. Jesus at the center of it all. From the beginning to the end, he will always be. He's always been you, Jesus. Jesus at the center of it all. You know, you know what I mean? You have heard those things, right? We want to sing phonetic by force. In the center of it all. And, and it sounds cute. You know, it sounds... It's a language that you don't count when you're checking what languages. It's called Christianese. We have Chinese and Cantonese and Taiwanese. You have a language called Christianese. You say all the right things, all the right Christian phrases. And it checks out. It's like, oh yeah, bless you. Bless you. You got it. You got it. You got it. You're a child of God. I've been around a long. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's Christianese. Anybody can learn it. Anybody can learn it. And sound like it. And sisters, the brother will come and speak Christianese. And you think he's a brethren. You not marry. You not realize he's recolors. In 3D. HD. Surround sound 7.1. And now it becomes a prayer point. And you're like, but pastor, he sounded Christian. He dressed Christian. Anybody can learn it. So the fact that you speak Christianese doesn't mean that you are kingdom cultured. Doesn't mean you're kingdom cultured. The fact that you know all the things and all, you know, all the verses, small, small verses to respond when you ask questions. You know, I, I mean, how, so how, 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 how are you going to overcome this need? Oh my God, shall supply all my needs. Christianese. Christianese. How are you feeling, brother? I'm counting it all joy. <laughs> counting it all joy. Yeah. It's Christianese. I don't have anything against those scriptures. But the fact that somebody's saying all that doesn't mean they tick all the boxes of kingdom culture. And so it behoves us to see him so we can become him. Otherwise, we end up doing Christianese, playing church, doing the activities, and Christ is not being formed in us because we are distracted. We're distracted. So when scripture says we're not unaware of his devices. Double negative means we are fully aware of his devices. We are aware of his devices. And so it's important that we look, in, look at that. I said last week, religion, religion is not just a belief system. It's a way of life, right? It sits implanted in the mind. Daniel hammered on that again this evening. It's, it's a mind thing. It's a mind thing. And that's why you must renew your mind. So you can become a son. You are a son because Christ died for everybody. Yeah? So we're all joint heirs. Joint heirs means that I don't have a bigger inheritance than you do. In the sonship of Christ. Right? Joint heirs with the son, heirs of the father. We can be heirs and yet somebody is struggling with religion. 
like the real prodigal son. The prodigal son's brother was the real prodigal son. I've been a son. All my life I've been serving you. Faithfully. I've not stolen. I've not cheated your business. I've grown the business. He was sounding exactly like the publican when he was praying. Self-righteousness works. Do you get it? Luke 15. Works. I haven't done anything wrong. I've served you faithfully. And you have never said to me, you know what, on account of your faithfulness, take a goat. A kid, a baby goat. On account of your faithfulness, take a goat and go and make merry with your friends. And then somebody goes, squanders all your money, kills you before you died, activated your will against your will, took his inheritance, squandered it, had the effrontery to come back again and you kill the fattened calf. You, give, you bring out the Rolls Royce to welcome him in. You give him the best treatment. What has he done to deserve that? It's called grace. So prodigal son is there and he couldn't see. He saw wrongly. He was distracted by priority. It was religious. Status quo. Stereotype. So losing religion doesn't just happen by knowledge. I said this last week. It happens by a conscious renewing of the mind. God is interested in more than what you believe. He is interested in what you do with what you believe. God is interested in more than what you believe. He's interested in what you do with what you believe. He who is a hearer and doer of the work. James chapter 1. So we do not just receive Christ. We walk in him, right? We mature in him as he's been formed in us. Let's look at these scriptures very quickly. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10. Somebody opened that. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Another person opened that. Colossians 2.10. One of our favorite scriptures that we read a lot in this house. And 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 1 to 9 in the NLT. Colossians 1.10. Ephesians 4.1. Colossians 2.10. 2 Peter 1. 1 to 9. I'm hoping. What do you have? 2 Peter 1, 1 to 9, read it out loud for me. 2 Peter 1, 1 to 9. Yeah. This letter is from Simon, Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus Christ, our, and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature mm. and escape the world's corruption 
by caused by human desires. Mm. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Yeah. Supplement your faith with the generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way... Listen, listen to verse 9. Read it again. But those who fail to develop in this way yeah. are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind. There is a seeing deficiency. So you cannot be seeing the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, verse 2, and not be becoming what you are seeing. If there is a deficiency in your becoming, there is a deficiency in what you are seeing. Not in the object of your sight but in your seeing. Do we understand? Many years ago, I was dealing with some major domestic issues. And every, even now and then, I, they come up and, and the Lord reminds me of that lesson that he taught me, that I, I tried to use to deal with the issues. Um, and I, I probably shared it in this house once or twice. When we were very little, we had this Christmas eyeglasses, plastic big glasses that come out with bunnies on the top or something. Please don't tell me they still do those. On my days. And so you have all these glasses you wear, and to avoid clashing with your siblings, you, you had them in different colors. Right? So you had yours with they were, yours were blue. And the Lord reminded me a few years ago that if you looked up at the clouds and everything around you when you were wearing those blue glasses, everything around you looked blue. And you will argue with everybody that the sky right now is blue. And I'm like, hell no, the sky is red. Because the glasses I'm wearing are red lenses, so the whole world looks red. And somebody else is there, both of you are so demented. It's green. Because what they're wearing is green. So you see the world through the lens of what you're wearing. Now, I've taught you guys in this house over and over and over that the natural is a, an outplay of the spiritual. Whatever you see in the natural is first true spiritually. Before it is true in the natural. You are what you see. You wear blue, you see blue. You wear anxiety, everything you see, you see with anxiety. You wear fear, phobia, everything you see, you see it from the lens of fear. You wear inferiority, everything. Every time something comes up, you feel like you don't measure up. You will confuse refusal for rejection. The great exchange if you were here. They'll tell you no. And instead of hearing no, you feel rejected. You feel disapproved. Oh. Because that's the lens you're wearing. It's blue. It's green. It's fear. Because that's the, that's the lens you're wearing. Or you can wear the lens of Christ and see everything the way Christ will see it. At that point, we're no longer mates. Because while you see fear, somebody else sees Christ. While you see failure, somebody else sees possibility. You're wondering, why is it not working for me? I hear a lot of things, and I'll, I'll, let me point that out to young people as well. Especially ladies, even guys, you hear people say, oh, but God, why? No, 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 ma. You don't ask, but God, why? 
Because you know your God. So you see everything from the lens of the knowledge of God you have and of Christ. 1 Peter 1, 2. Your knowledge of Christ. 2 Peter 1, 2 rather. So you see from the lens of Christ. How will he see this? Caesar's after us, man. There no money to pay tax. <laughs> Go catch a fish. The first one you catch, open his mouth. Take the money you need. It's enough to pay for you and for us. So he never saw life from the lens of, this, of inability, from lack. So if we see him, then we ought to see life how he sees life. Hello? And that's our sonship in display. That's Christ on display. That's the culture of the kingdom. But if when the rubber hits the road, we act completely differently, we speak completely differently, then we have been distracted. Something has come in between our sight. You are constantly protecting what you see and how you see it. You cannot afford to see men as trees. Why do we have windshield wipers? Why do we have headlamps? Why do we have high beams and low beams and, and fog lights? Because you, you, what determines how far you go and if you ever get to your destination is your sight. Your sight. So we must see correctly. And all there is to see is Christ. Not Christ and everything else. Christ until all the other names fade away. What God is working in you, Philippians 2, 12, must be worked out by you, Philippians 2, 13. What God is working in you must be worked out by you. Hebrews, you wrote down the other scriptures, Colossians 1, 10. Did anybody open them? Let's read them quickly. What, what, 1, 10, quickly. So as to walk in the manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Bearing fruit in every good work. Ephesians 4.1. And pleasing in the knowledge of God. Ephesians 4.1. Same thing, pretty much. That you walk worthy of the calling, right? We saw that last week, right? Awesome. You have everything when you have Christ and you are filled with God through your union with Christ. He's the highest ruler with authority over every other power. You have everything when you have Christ. That's a good one to, re to, re to repeat. I have everything, I have everything. When, I have Christ. when I have Christ. Everything. Everything. I have everything. The question is, do you believe it? Do you believe it? We have everything when we have him. So once we have him, we have everything. He is the reason for everything. And he's never out of season. Eyes on the prize. Hebrews 4.13. Um, Ephesians 4.13, rather. Ephesians 4.13. I'm just laying foundation today. We will continue next week. Ephesians 4.13. I'll read in the New King James. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. And of the what? Of the Son of God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
Who is Paul writing to here? Unbelievers? Saints. That saints should come into the knowledge of the Son of God. Did you hear that? Not unbelievers. Unbelievers need to accept the sonship of God in Christ. Unbelievers need to hear the gospel of who Christ is and what he's done for them. Believers who are now sons need to come into the knowledge of the son. You buy an item, you buy a, a device, uh, you know, or a gadget or whatever. It's yours. You have it. Doesn't mean you can operate it. You need to refer to the manual. Or at least to what is called a quick start guide. Have you seen that before? To get you on your way. And so a believer who is a son of God needs to come into the knowledge of his sonship. That is what answers for you. And you determine that. Till we all come, and the backdrop of this is the giving of the gift, right? Apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. Till we all come to the unity of the faith, to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. It's, in, it's, it's important that we come into that knowledge. So we, it's in, on, on this journey of seeing Christ, it therefore behoves us to identify distractions. So that when something comes instead of anti, comes in place of, you are able to quickly identify it. That's why Jesus would tell Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Not get thee behind me, Peter. Even though it was Peter that tried to resist his dying. Talk to me now. So again, um, I love God's word. If you read the accounts of the temptations, it said, it's, it said that after those three temptations that were recorded, Satan left Jesus for a season. So there are many more temptations that Jesus endured that were not recorded. That's why scripture says that he was tempted in every way. Come on, people. Three were written, because if all were written, John 21, I tell you that all the world will not have enough space to contain the books. That blows my mind every time. Blows my mind. But it says he was tempted in every way. And if it says he was tempted in every way, I believe he was tempted in every way. It's important to understand the distractions. I said last week, and I repeat, I said it on Monday before, a distraction is not a distraction all the time. Please don't forget that. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Jesus was tempted in every way, and he was without sin. We see some of his final temptations. Satan coming now inside Peter and saying, you cannot die. That was a good intention. Noble intention. I mean, we love you. You, have, you, have, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. We have cast demons in your name. We have done all this great, and you're about, you want to die. What is wrong with you? How oh, can you be dying at 33? Haven't you heard where they say that untimely death in the family, blah, 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 blah. You know, you don't want to now die at 33. Why are you thinking this kind of thing, Jesus? And you'd have thought, oh, 
right? Peter, my darling. Oh, Pete, 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 Pete. You don't want me to die. You love me. Peter, you love me so much. Oh, so much. Oh, so much. Oh, SS love. Oh, Peter, you see why I say it's on top of you. I'll build the church. They are so sweet. Your love is kind. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. He saw beyond the emotion. He saw beyond the sentiment. He saw beyond even the good intention. And he saw Satan. Because his eyes were like a flint. For the joy that was set before him, Hebrews 2, endured the cross Despise the shame. So as much as Peter had a good intention, that good intention was leveraged for Satan to tempt him. He said, I rebuke you, Satan. And Peter would have felt, or even Andrew, or James, would have felt really offended. I mean, a while ago, I just said flesh and blood. And a few days later, I'm telling you, Satan, some of you will walk out of church. Are you trying to say that I've been a bad person all along? No. We're just rebuking a distraction because something, however genuine, became misplaced. So a distraction is not a distraction all the time. It's not always a bad thing. And that's why it behoves us to be aware of his devices. So when something comes to want to take his place, you can identify it by his spirit, by his word. Amen. Amen. So we began to look at the, at, at, the, at the distractions. And the very first one, which is all I'll say and, and just leave it here. Um, actually, I won't. We'll, we'll, we'll pick it up next week. I don't want to rush it. But has this helped anybody so far? Yeah. We'll begin to look at the distraction of frivolity. We'll explore what a frivolity is and what in life, based on our understanding of the, the culture of the kingdom, what constitutes a frivolity. But if you don't go away with anything else tonight, remember that field of view, what you see, how you see. So he's there. He is there for the seeing. He's no longer hidden. Right? I had not seen. That's how we'll quote it now. Ear had not heard. Neither had it come into the mind of man. But now... He has revealed them to us by his spirit. So we cannot quote, I has not seen. Because God has revealed them to us by his spirit. For no man knows the mind of man except the spirit of man. In the same vein, no one knows the mind of God except the spirit of God. But we have received the spirit of God. So therefore we know the mind of God. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So the deep things of God are now revealed to us. So Christ is not a mystery. He's on display. The question is, how are you seeing him? What color lenses are you wearing? Green, blue, red? And that's why we're all so different in church. Because we're all seen from different lenses. Even though what we're seeing is the same thing. 
So somebody's seen Christ with the shade of blue, and Christ with the shade of red, and Christ with the shade of green, and Christ with the shade of Christ. And then you are so convinced that the person who is seeing Christ for Christ is seen wrongly because he's not wearing the lens you're wearing. And unconsciously as Christians and believers, we start to reduce the people who are seen correctly, forcing them to admit that only your lens is correct. Meanwhile, you haven't explored the possibility that perhaps you could be seen wrong. Perhaps your vision of Christ is influenced by fear. And therefore, everybody around you is a suspect. And so a believer will say, me, I don't trust anybody. You're not seen from the lens of Christ. I I, I love, but I'm very careful with my loving. How, How can you not love a brother that you can see, 1 John 4, and say you love a God that you do not see? Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Let his mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. What was the mind? That he, although he was God, or did not see equality with God as something to be grasped, humbled himself even unto the death on the cross. So it was humility for God to die. And what is that mind that should be in you? Humility. Even to the point of death. For me to live is Christ, and for me to die is gain. I'm not afraid of dying. I've said over and over that if my ministry, my message, my assignment is fulfilled today, I don't want to stay one day longer on the earth. And we must put off mortality one way or another. So I'm done, I'm gone. I don't care how the house burned with me inside, I crash in a car, I, crash in a, I die in a plane crash. It doesn't matter to me. Oh, not only is it so bad that he died, the way that he died. What does it matter? People say, Pav, don't speak like that. Get thee behind me. Satan. For me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. Absent from the body is to be present. But we're not afraid of death. He spoiled death. Where is thy sting? It's when you're not sure of who you are that you're afraid of death. But when you know who you are, even death knows who you are and respects you until it's ready for you. Well, we can't die until we're done. So me, I don't have any preference whether he's coming first, whether I'm going first. It, does, it doesn't matter. We're going to be together. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what matters. And once you see that, that becomes your focus. Nothing else. Nothing else. And so people try to reduce the volume of your sight. You are seen too clearly. Are you the only one that's in church? Hey. And now only you the hear Pav. Pav, 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 Pav says. Pav says. Can you allow people to see Christ for Christ? What betide you if you, get, if you become the antichrist in somebody's view of Christ? If you become the instead of or in place of. If you become the one they must defer to in their vision of Christ. Is anybody hear what I'm saying? Crucial stuff, right? Crucial stuff. But we see Jesus. Satan tempted Jesus so many times. Distracted him. Matthew 17. 
they appear on the month of transfiguration. Jesus, the law, the prophets. Remember that? Moses and Elijah. Moses representing the law. Elijah representing the prophets. Because Elijah was the greatest of the prophets before John the Baptist. Remember? Yeah? Jesus said that himself. So you have the era of the law. You have the era of the prophets. You have the era of the son. Hmm? God now says, this is my beloved law. Was the law there or not? These are my beloved prophets. He saw three dispensations. And he says, now, this is my son. Hear ye him. Hear no more the law. Hear no more the prophets. What you should see now has changed. The son. Hebrews 1, 1. God, who at various times in various ways has spoken to us in times past through the prophets. But has now spoken to us through whom? His son. The dispensation changed. If you're looking at the law, you miss the Christ. If you're looking at the prophets, you miss the Christ. Otherwise, everybody else who subscribes to your type of sight will be misled in their formation of Christ like you are. And then it cascades generation to generation, parish to parish, church to church, city to city, and everybody perpetuates an innocent error because something affected somebody's sight. You come and say John 10, 10. The, devil, the, the, the thief comes not for to, to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And everybody is quoting John 10, 10 and calling Satan the thief. And he's not the thief. But because you have shown us that Satan is the thief in John 10, 10, billions of people across the world believe that Satan is the thief. There is no place in your Bible where Satan is referred to as a thief. One, two. Everybody's quiet now. If you go and check John 10, 10 and see the discourse, you find out who the thief was. The thief were the teachers of the law. The Pharisees. Not Satan. Let me show you that to humor you. John chapter 10, for free, verse 10. If you go and check ancient manuscripts of the Bible, you actually realize that not one of them early manuscripts ever thought or suggested that Satan was the thief. Not one. John chapter 10, verse 1. Let's do some small exegesis before we close, shall we? Most assuredly, New King James, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. So the thief being talked about here is a human being. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. 
To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And he brings them out. He bring, when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Six. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said again to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. All who ever came before me. Every other person coming and saying, I'm the way. Are we there? All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life. Who was the thief? Ministers of death. 2 Corinthians 3. Ministers of the letter. Ministers of works. Ministers of the law. People. Many antichrists. Not Satan. Oh, of course, Satan ultimately working in them, but the reference was not to Satan. Satan is not in this mix. Have you seen? Have you seen? No Satan. Those who came before him. Teachers of the law and Pharisees. My own Bible here says in the, in the reference, all whoever came before me hint at, at messianic pretenders who promised their followers freedom but led them into armed conflict and doom instead. And he quotes a few things in Acts. Thieves and robbers is reminiscent of Israel's shepherds who had been feeding themselves but not the flock. That's why he said earlier in, in the Old Testament, I'll give you pastors after my own heart. People who have been coming and teaching law, grace mixed with some works. We're thieves and robbers. And when a thief comes, what does he come to do? Steal, kill, destroy. He will take your tithe, he will take your seed, he will take your offering, he will take your sexuality, he will take your possessions, he will take your brain. Hello? And he will steal, he will kill, and he will... Isn't that what religion is doing? There's, there's no Satan here. It was Jesus versus false prophets and teachers of the law. But over time, somehow, we think of Satan as this villain. He must be the thief. In fact, we name him the thief. Because that sounds like something that Satan will do. I mean, it's Satan. <laughs> So everybody walks away with that lens and says, Satan is, it? is the thief in John 10.10. 10. Are we saying Satan is not real? No, we're not saying that. But we're saying in the context of John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief that came to steal, kill, and destroy is not Satan. So it's important not just what you see, but how you see. This is beneficial. The only time you can be double convinced of what you are seeing is when you are sure of how you are seeing. 
the only time you work can be double, double, double sure is that you are not seeing the real deal via the wrong means. Do you understand? So it's time to pay attention to what we see, how we see it. It's time to change lenses if we need to. Drop the lens of fear, drop the lens of religion, drop the lens of legalisms, drop the lens of philosophy, drop the lens of familiarity, drop the lens of I've always been like this, drop the lens of temperament. You're a believer, you say I'm a sanguine. What's wrong with you? I'm a melancholist, I'm choleric. That's why cholera is going to look for you. I'm phlegmatic. I'm, I'm, a, I'm 75% choleric, 25%. Sanguine. And then familiar spirits that endorse those temperaments begin to follow you. Is this helping anybody? Because that's the lens you chose to wear. You chose to see the entire kingdom of the Son of God from choleric lenses. You chose to see Christ from a phlegmatic point of view. And we should bear with you and understand that this is who you are. This is how you were born. This is how you were raised. We should leave you like that. Usually when there's any trouble, you just withdraw. Or you speak first before you think. Which lens are you seeing Christ by? How you can determine what you are seeing is how you are seeing. Are we seeing him from cultural lenses? That's a very strong lens. And what people say. They have a saying. They have a proverb. You must be careful because those things can quickly becloud your sight. But it's how you can champion the course of this world and you become what is a frivolity. Because you change how you're seeing. You, you have a lofty dream and then somebody tells you, you, has anybody in your village gone abroad? Anybody? Even when they were training postmasters, they didn't carry your ancestors. Even, even when they came to now carry slaves, they still didn't carry any slave for you. <laughs> from your village you want, <laughs> you want to go abroad <laughs> and all of a sudden guess what they, they took their blue lenses and put on your eyes and all of a sudden you reduced possibility to failure and your sights changed it's time to change how you see to change how you see and don't let anybody that tampers with your sight of the Christ is an enemy anybody any emotion any relationship any business any academic pursuit anything on the earth that tampers with your sight of the Christ is antichrist is your enemy don't tolerate it and don't let anybody deceive you otherwise a distraction is not always a distraction it's very subtle, very subtle, and we have shifted, and our eyes are off. But anything that challenges your sight, who was I telling yesterday? Oh no, it's you this afternoon. I was talking to Mika this afternoon when she just arrived, and I said 
that, you know, people think of church as a commune, which it, which it is. And then, you know, um, I showed high a, 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 um, a post I saw on Facebook that said, don't look for the church closest to your house. Find the one closest to the word. The one closest to your Bible. You didn't choose your university because it was 15 hours from your house. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't want to go to university. There's computer school in Third Avenue. So I can just walk to the computer school. Why should I go to University of Calabar? Why should I go to Ghana to study? Is that how you chose your school? That's how you chose your job? But that's how you choose Christ. You reduce Christ to the lens of convenience. And I told her, I said, if you are a believer, your walk with God should influence how you move house. You will not change local church because you moved house. You will change house to stay faithful to your local church. You change. Oh, but that sounds very far-fetched. Nah, come on, come on, man. Let's be real. That ain't going to happen. That's why we are stuck where we are. So the more we excuse distractions, the more we are beclouded in our sight of the Christ. I will tell you next week, the Lord told me this afternoon, I was sharing with Mika when she got here, the Lord told me that, explain to my people the difference between reality and tangibility. That something is tangible does not mean it is real. My people have confused tangibility for reality. We define reality by what we can feel, you know, what we can grasp what we can touch, what we can have today. And we have thought, been programmed to think that tangibility is reality. But that something is tangible doesn't make it real. And that something is intangible doesn't make it an abstract. Father, help us tonight. Let us see you clearly. Let every other name fade away. Can we just pray in the spirit for everything? This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at or visit our social media platforms.